welcome back to the Well Said Podcast, where we are talking about uh, the joy and the complexity of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. We are very sorry that we missed you guys last week, the craziness of Thanksgiving, relatives, and three turkey parties got to me. So you had three? Three turkeys. I had two. I thought it was like yeah. over the top, but yeah. three is quite the... It was fun. I mean, we did that episode with Victor on feasting, and I yeah. feel like that just Pumped launched me. It just launched me into the feasting, and I still feel like I'm on that momentum. You know, I'm yeah. on the wave. That was great, and as much as I was excited about feasting, I like surprisingly didn't overeat this year. Yeah, you know, I didn't overeat. I feel like I really enjoyed the food. I yeah. enjoyed the moments. I really was conscious of just the fun and joy of Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't like stuff myself. That's so cool. It's always it's always those moments where you're like, man, you know, that extra turkey leg, a little yeah. too much. It's like kind of takes you to, through the rest of the evening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I should not have done that. So. Well, you can see truth promotes a healthy lifestyle. There you go. There you go. Everything in moderation. That's part of the joy of it. Yeah. So, yeah, we are so f- sorry we missed you guys last week. Back with Max. Max is... Uh, Back behind the mic. Yeah, I'm surprised you had me back. I thought Vic was going to replace me. He did yeah. a great job. He did He did do a great job. So you're kind of on trial now, you oh, know? Oh, boy. The, the listeners are going to have to say what they think, you know? Bring Victor back or I keep on, Max? I was on probation, <laughs> period. No, it's all cool. Yeah, so uh, what's new with you this week? Or maybe I should give you Man, some space and tell you what's new with me. You just I'm, tell me I'm, what's I'm, new with you. I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, we are getting a cat this week. Did you know that? Oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Anna told me, little kitten. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. We're taking a cat from you guys. From it's from we're getting a cat from Max. So it's a kitten. They're kitten. a lot. They're a lot cuter. That's what Anna always says. She loves kittens, but she doesn't like cats. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, where we're like first time animal owners at this point, so we're kind of freaking out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It changes you. I used to despise cats, as my family knows, but it softens your heart. Something happens. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I've always loved animals, but my wife is like, she wants to do all her homework and make sure we're doing everything right yeah. and uh, that we're prepared and everything. I have this still, my kids sound excited, but I have this lingering uh, suspicion that Gracie is just going to freak out. Like, she's going to be very scared. <laughs> we might have to, like, I don't know, we'll see. Well, Izzy, like, just just manhandles them and she's they like scratch her and she doesn't even blink an eye so if they grow up around kid you know uh, around animals i think they just get used to them so i i think it's it's such a joy for the kids to do that and see them actually care for something yeah like care for another you know creature creature and and feed it and worry about it being cold and stuff it's just Mm -hmm. cool to see that yeah yeah no it's it's definitely like Nathan has that he loves animals. All he every time she sees a dog or something, he's like, "Oh my gosh!" That he wants to see it. But J- Gracie's like she's getting over her fear, but she's still kind of like, Ugh, like yeah. Well, maybe this is the turning point. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. So yeah, the other thing that's really new with me is Victor's recommend book, Joe Rigney's book, uh, "The Things of Earth." Mm-hmm. Wow, it's blowing my mind. This last couple of weeks, I'm reading that book. Really? I really want to recommend it to you guys. That's one of my recommends. Get that book. It's going to change your mindset in a, in a significant way. It's going to open up eyes. Wow. Um, Maybe I should bump it up my list. You, you should. You should definitely. Like, in the sense that whatever audiobook you've got going right now, pause it, get Joe Regney's book, listen to it, and then get back to whatever it is you're doing. Whoa, that's a strong yeah. commendation there. It's in... Now, I haven't really categorized... You know, I haven't had time to categorize, but it's in, it's definitely in my top 10 of all times. Wow. Okay. I'm sold. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a big deal. That was easy. Joe Rigney, The Things of Earth. You guys get that book. It's amazing. Awesome. So let's just uh, go ahead and jump right into the podcast. Um, What are we talking about today? Yeah, today we are going to dive into the deep end of the pool, I think. Uh, It's fun to mix up the topics, sometimes practical, sometimes, you know, daily stuff, fun stuff, but also some stuff that makes you really think. Mm -hmm. So today I kind of want to dive into the deep end of the pool and uh, submit to you guys this idea that I've been really slowly but surely getting saturated in as I'm studying in seminary, as I'm studying the Bible more, reading more books. Um, And that is basically this idea of the fact that the knowledge of the Word of God, the knowledge of the Bible, it doesn't just merely inform us with information, but it actually has a power and and a very critical role to build up our whole ability to even think. Um, So if you picture your mind as a bookshelf, you know, and on that bookshelf you've got different categories and topics and you've got different amounts in different categories, right? So you've got your, like, family life and you've got your uh, interests, hobbies, you've got your career, you've got your um, knowledge of God and Bible and theological stuff. So we all have content inside our minds, and we're constantly acquiring content. We're constantly learning as creatures. Um, and so oftentimes we picture ourselves as knowing creatures and that our primary task is to learn to n- know more information. And mm-hmm. when it comes to Christianity, we approach it in the same way that we approach knowing other subjects. Uh, I need to know more about the Bible in order to fill my Bible section in my mental bookshelf. Mm-hmm. But the question that we often do not realize is that your actual bookshelf, it's actually built by something. Uh, your actual uh, awareness and ability to categorize the world, your very structure and logic through which you see the whole world, you know, your mental library is actually built by something. It's built by assumptions. Um, This is an idea that's kind of been seeping deeper and deeper into my thinking as we look at the Bible and as we look at what God says about himself. He doesn't just say you need to learn what I say. He says you need to learn to live and think in light of my word. Because if you live and think outside of the umbrella of revelation, you are living and thinking in a a faulty, dangerous way, in a way that you were not created to think. Yeah, so if I was going to take your metaphor like a step further, uh, basically Christianity or truth is not just another category or a couple books on your bookshelf, but it is the actual bookshelf, right? Right. It's what's holding up all your other ideologies mm-hmm. and everything else, or it could be something else, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, well, and it's both too, right? So you still learn, we have to learn content about the Bible, right? You want to learn mm-hmm. more about the content of the Bible, who Jesus is, what he did, you know, what does the Bible actually teach? But embedded within scripture is not just a bunch of information. It's also a story, a story that acts as a framework Mm -hmm. for how you see the world, you know? Mm. So, uh, one author I was reading, one of the professors at our seminary, uh, little book, which is going to be my recommend today, uh, called what is biblical theology? He says, look, what if your knowledge of the Bible, what if your biblical theology is actually like a bridge into a different world, 
when you understand and submerge yourselves into the thought life of the authors of Scripture. So not only are you reading Paul, but you're actually, as you read Paul, you, you want to pause and ask yourself, how did Paul see the world? How can I try to get next to Paul mm-hmm. and look at the world through his eyes? Because the eyes that Paul was looking through are, are, are eyes that are infused with God's revelation, God's own perspective, you know? So you do that. As you read your Bible, you're learning about Moses and David and uh, Solomon and, you know, Samuel and Isaiah and Ezekiel, right? But you're also constantly trying to get underneath the, 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 the basic content and ask yourself, what am I learning about how these guys viewed the world? Mm-hmm. What kind of story did they see when they looked at the world? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, very foundational kind of look. Right. What, what basically what we're getting at is that we're always operating on assumptions about the world. So recently I was talking, this is a classic thing, when you talk to people who don't ascribe to some specific religious faith today who identify as secular, you know, um, when you, and, and they will assume, they'll make, have, you know, they'll talk to you about like the, the, the truth value of science versus religion. So like, you know, we don't base our assumptions on what, you know, some text says and faulty ideas and, and, and ideas of a magical universe. We base it on evidence and science, right? So it sounds very all convincing mm-hmm. and stuff. But the question is, okay, but wait, but... But on what basis does the scientist work? You know, the scientist comes to the lab to study the universe, you know, whatever he's doing, whether it's physics or chemistry or whatever, biology. There's always operating assumptions about the world. Why are you studying the molecules? Well, because the assumption is that the molecules can be studied, that the universe is ordered, Mm -hmm. that the universe has typical patterns, and that as you understand the patterns and ways of the universe, you gain insights about how, what life is all about. You know what I'm saying? But those are assumptions. Yeah, they're, you can't remove those presuppositions. They're right. already in place, right. no matter how hard you try to go above that. Right? right. It's always foundational. Mm-hmm. And those assumptions, they cannot be proven by science itself. Mm-hmm. So the scientist is always operating on faith values. He, he, he takes for grant he takes it on faith that the universe is meaningful that the universe is ordered and that me studying the molecules is going to help me understand myself the world and make the world a better place but wait but why are you even trying to make the world a better place well that's another assumption I should try to make the world a better place okay but where did all these assumptions come from hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. these assumptions cannot be proved by science itself they are faith assumptions you know what I'm saying mm-hmm so the thing about presuppositions or these assumptions is oftentimes we're not aware that we have them, you know, um, when you, and you see this when, you, like I said earlier, you're arguing with somebody who's not a Christian, they'll be arguing about morality with you. They'll be arguing about the validity of science and truth, right? But then you take a step back and you ask them, what, what, where, what is morality? Why are you arguing for it? Why, why is life so meaningful? Why does truth matter so much? These are all assumptions but where did you get these assumptions? You know, what is the mm-hmm. faith system that you're ascribing to? You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of these 
uh, assumptions or presuppositions that you just mentioned right now, is that something that is commonly shared maybe between all humans? Is this something that we all work off of basically, that, mm-hmm. that basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can, when you look at history, you see that different periods of time yield different cultures and different civilizations that are rooted in our core assumptions about what life is about. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you can, um, so one example, I, I like this example that Tim Keller makes. He says, you know, our culture today talks about like freedom. You are free to live out whatever desires you have, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if you were to drop that, you know, urban, uh, modern, progressive 27 year old, who says that he needs to follow all of his desires no matter what they mean about who he should sleep with or whatever. And he, nobody can tell you what to desire. You can do whatever you want. Follow your dreams, right? You drop that person into, um, you know, the 1100s or the 1200s up in, you know, northern Europe into a Viking village. And you're going to have a society that believes that you should follow your desires, but also the society itself helps you interpret which desires to follow and which desires not to follow. So Hmm. the Viking, there could just as well be a Viking warrior who has um, same-sex attraction. He has a desire for that, but he also has a desire to fight and kill and, and, and take stuff, right? So his society, the assumptions of his society are going to dictate to him, you should suppress your homosexual desire or your same-sex attraction, and you should uh, follow your desire to kill and to steal because that's what we do. We're Vikings, mm-hmm. right? Well, you drop the modern progressive into New York today, and he is a society that tells him what to do, you know? So even though we say we're just following our desires, we're always, the the culture around us is dictating our deepest values, which ones to pursue and which ones to suppress. In today's society, it is very inappropriate to pursue your desire to kill and to steal, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody, nobody prizes that. Vikings prized it. You got, you were respected if you killed and stole. Uh, Today, you are respected if you sleep with whoever you want. So there's always core assumptions that are driving. So the thing about this for us Christians is that oftentimes we don't know, we're not aware of these things. And as we are so eager to get onto life and to get into culture and to get our lives going, to understand the culture around us and to be active in our faith, oftentimes we assume that just because I carry the name of Jesus and I have certain opinions about stuff, that my opinions and perspectives are Christian. They're sanctified by the fact that I am a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we have never, when we enter our Christian faith, we have never taken time to sift and to say, wait a minute, have I permitted scripture and Bible to, uh, to rebuild my deepest assumptions about the world I see, you know? So our, what you're saying is our desires or these ideas, they're not automatically sanctified the moment you are regenerated, right? Right. And this is a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just carrying a title behind your name doesn't necessarily make, you know, your ideas true. Right. right? Just because you're the Pope doesn't mean whatever you say is holy. Right. And just because you're a 25-year-old Christian who believes in, um, 
shoot, I'm just going to take a random cultural item, Uh-oh. social justice or whatever, okay. in a specific kind of twist. If you're a Christian and you believe this and you have certain experiences, you it just all makes sense, and you are going to argue you're going to live out your position. Or another one, totally different. You're a Christian and you're a creative, you're an artist, you're a photographer, you're a filmmaker, you designer, right? And you're a Christian. And so you assume that your Christianity informs your creativity just because you're already a Christian. But does it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you taken time to question and ask yourself, wait, what is the connection between my view of my creative work and my view of God as the one who reveals and dictates and shapes my thinking? One of the most important assumptions of our culture today is that we have the ability to think independently. So I have the power uh, to think and to reason and to assess my world without help from God and his word because my ability to think logically doesn't depend in any way on God's word. So one, one of the things you notice in the Reformation, during the time of the Reformation, the Reformation was running parallel to uh, the Enlightenment um, in the Middle, Middle Ages and, and the Western world. The central idea of the Enlightenment was autonomous human reason. So mm-hmm. we discovered the power of reason. We can use our brains and we can study the universe and all of a sudden we realize we don't need God you know, mm. like we can understand and rationalize our way into perspectives and philosophies and knowledge of all kinds, completely unrelated to revelation in God's word. So God's word becomes information about a religious topic. But then all these other topics of life, family, science, art, those are all by themselves. And you access your knowledge to everything through your ability to reason. And you see like people like John Calvin who are countering that and saying, no, 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 there's no such thing as autonomous human reason. Why? Because as creatures, we are created dependent upon the creator. And we're created to receive revelation and to receive his interpretation of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like one of the things in Genesis 1, God had to speak to Adam and instruct him even before the fall. God had to give his word to Adam so that Adam could live in the newly created world. Adam needed God's word before he even sinned. It's mm. not a sin feature. It's, it's, a, cre- it's a creature feature. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You could coin that phrase. Creature feature. There creature you go. Feature. So how does this uh, then flow into those everyday things, you know, businesses, art, school, family, things that you mentioned that we mm. always want to have a say in. Right. We always want to put our two cents in. Uh, but how does that practically look in our lives where we are dependent upon God's truth to properly reason, to properly um, give value, basically, yeah. to any of these things? How yeah. does that, where does the rubber meet the road yeah. in that sense? I think that when you understand that because I'm a creature, I'm created depending on God's view of all things, and I need his word impacting me daily to know the world. So knowledge, knowledge has a moral component to it. Knowledge is not neutral, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just to look outside and to look at the amazing trees and the wind blowing 
and to interpret that, that's not, a, that's not a purely intellectual activity. It's a moral activity because the Apostle Paul says in Romans, we look at the world and what do we see? We see God's manifold greatness, but we interpret it differently. As sinners, we're always pulled away from interpreting the world in a way that puts God on display and pulled into interpreting the world as our own project and our own rights and our own abilities. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So you can't think in a straight line without God's help because sin is always bending your thinking. And sin bends your thinking. Sin bends your rationality, your, even your sense of logic in all spheres of life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so even those times then, um, from what you're saying, is even those times where we think that we are even autonomous, autonomously coming up with an idea or these are the things that we believe, these are the convictions that we have. A lot of times if we are to sift down deeper and deeper, those things are actually kind of hijacked by what we consume. Mm-hmm. They are the basis of what we consume. And even when we think that this is my own, it yeah. actually isn't your own. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of Christian thinking, what's branded as Christian thinking, it's secular thinking with a Jesus stamp on it. Mm-hmm. It's never actually been run, rerun through the filter of asking, as a creature uh, dependent upon the creator on his revelation to even see the world correctly and to have a sense of what is right and wrong, what is purpose, what is meaning, what is beauty, what is justice, you, all those categories start to be remolded. Mm-hmm. by secular assumptions if they are not actively remolded by biblical assumptions. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, so scripture is basis, is, is the basis right. of everything right. that we're speaking of today, right? right? Um, what would you say to somebody who's basically, uh, they're Christian, but they, it's kind of like, let's say this, uh, this metaphor where you're a 350-pound man mm-hmm. and someone tells you, Okay, yeah, you're 350 pounds, you're six foot two, but what would be ideal is if you were 180 pounds with a BMI of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, how does somebody just automatically jump from there to there? You know what I'm saying? It's not that you just open your Bible and you say, today I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to think Christianly. Christianly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't, you're not just going to become that 180 pounds yeah. right off the bat. Yep. So where does someone start? Doesn't yeah. it seem some way, sometimes overwhelming Yeah. where you're just like, well, yeah, I know this is how I'm supposed to be, but how do I allow the truth to literally transform my mind to become that bookshelf on which yeah. all these different ideas and all these different things just fit into place in my life. Right. Or to, to return back to that analogy we started with earlier, how do I allow scripture to start building my whole bookshelf? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, and just before I answer your question, why this is so important, right? Because like the, the structure of your bookshelf with the different tabs and the genres and the topics is determined by something. And so the kind of bookshelf mm. you have is going to determine your whole knowledge of the world. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why your bookshelf has to be built properly. Your mental bookshelf mm-hmm. has to be built with correct categories and correct genres and correct priorities for topics. You know yeah, that, that determines structure before right, anything else. Right, because it, it presets a mold for which you're receiving everything around mm-hmm. you. So how do you start? Well, I think... Basic start is acknowledging that knowledge and understanding of all things in life is a moral act and that every day you are either submitting yourselves under Christ, under his gospel, under his story, 
either you are washing your mind with his word and prayer every day or you're not. So morally, either you're coming before God and seeking his uh, cleansing and work and his grace in your heart or you're not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that is, that's the short-term all or, like, all or nothing daily thing. Am I, am I coming morally and acknowledging my dependence on God and asking, God, give me grace today to live my life in wisdom? If you give me that grace and you work in me, I will have wisdom. And if you don't, I won't, you know? Mm-hmm. The second component there, I think, is that, and this is one of the big applications that we're trying to pull out of this episode, all Christians, no matter what field you're in, no matter what aspect of life you're in, whether you're a mother, you're just a teenager in high school, whether you're in university working on your career, doesn't matter where you are, all Christians must, as they are majoring in life, as they are learning life, that the big challenges they're facing, must simultaneously be majoring in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, all Christians must have this deep foundational drive to know more and more of Scripture and more of its logic, its structure, its story, its themes, its purposes. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a lifelong drive and an understanding, I need Scripture. It's like the cement that's being poured into the whole structure of my thinking and my worldview then you're going to be living your life that way. You're going to be always kind of on the lookout for insight and deeper understanding of the Bible. You're going to listen to sermons differently. You're mm-hmm. going to be picking up different kinds of books. You're going to be listening to different kinds of podcasts that are always going to be feeding. You know, it's a way of life mm-hmm. that, you're, that you're kind of like, you know, if, if, you, if life is a university and you always have a major and you're always, as a Christian, you're always double majoring. And one of those majors is scripture. It's scripture alongside with whatever else you're doing. Because if it's not scripture, it's secular assumptions. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're, you're kind of wasting time. So um, why this is, it changes everything. Because it, as you are equipped with the machinery of scripture, you have the tools to kind of go out and excavate the world. You know, mm-hmm. God arms your mind with the ability to see his world through his eyes. And if you're weak on that, then you're kind of wasting time in everything else. You, you're, everything you're consuming, you're likely forming faulty and weak perspectives on everything. If your perspectives on everything are not infused with a conscious sense of how does this relate to the biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. So basically from, from conversion, at conversion, we have that ability, basically our eyes are open or we have that ability to now understand truth and build this structure based on that, but we don't inherently just gain uh, that structure right. of scripture. Yep, correct. God doesn't flip a switch and cleanse all of the faulty assumptions that you're plagued with. Mm-hmm. That is the sanctification process, the work of the Holy Spirit inside your heart, and the work of the Word to reshuffle, refile, reconnect, uh, re- rebuild your whole mindset. Mm-hmm. And when you're aware of that, you're like, you live in it. You're like, I, I, I always need God's word to be restructuring, reshuffling, refiling my view of everything. And you're also aware. You're like, you know, I really have taken time to grow in understanding certain subjects. But other subjects, I'm not quite aware of how does my faith in Christ and God's word specifically speak to those topics. I haven't yet discovered. And so you, you're aware of your lack of wisdom in those areas. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, 
the one of the defining features of the fool and the wise person in Proverbs is the wise person is the one who's always just speaking about everything. And the, the or sorry, the fool, did I say wise person? Yeah. The fool is the one always venting his perspectives. The wise one is the one seeking understanding. Uh, he or she is aware of the fact that there's some things that I know, some things that I don't quite know. And it's all related to how deep those perspectives have been saturated with scriptural assumptions. Mm-hmm. So if I was to ask you, say, about something like cloning, what would you, what would you say to that? Right. So what is your perspective yeah. as a Christian? Yeah, and at this moment, at this very moment, I wouldn't be able to say a lot because I haven't taken the time to look at my knowledge of the Bible, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. He's the creator. We are creatures. I've, you know, and, and everything the Bible teaches, and then look at cloning, look at the moral, uh, you know, philosophical ideas there, and then ask how do these ideas connect or disconnect from scriptural revelation. So mm-hmm. that's a process. And I look at my own m- mind, and I'm like, you know, I have not had time to align, make these connections yet, so I really don't have a lot to say here. So, but... It's that awareness also that really counts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because lots of Christians are like, you know, I'm so passionate about this, and I've been following Jesus for 10 years, and off they go, venting their passions on something. When are they even aware? Have they been cleansed and washed and, and, and filtered in their thinking with Scripture? Mm-hmm. You know, And a lot of people aren't. Yeah, and that's almost a two-part system, right? Being aware of mm-hmm. where you are not cleansed uh, in, in certain topics, but also taking that step, that extra step of having the scripture permeate that area of your heart and your mind. Right. And th- what this does is it makes you more productive in everything. So the interesting thing I have people in our church, you know, we do the, our young adults group. I'm talking to some people who are in college right now and I'm like, man, I wish I could go back to college right now and have all the conversations I had back in the day like taking philosophy Mm -hmm. classes or whatever, because I have a much deeper awareness of the Christian story, the biblical narrative, and I can much more clearly sift and filter the ideas of the philosophers or the sociology classes or whatever. Back then, my knowledge of Scripture was very thin, and therefore my ability to interpret and learn that information in those classes accurately, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. was limited. So right now I'm listening to this lecture series by this professor named John Frame. So cool. He, he takes all of history, um, all the philosophers of history, non-Christian philosophers, starting with Greeks, you know, and going through all those. And he's saying, and he's basically analyzing their thinking, their biggest ideas. And he says, okay, so Plato, this is his biggest ideas. And then he says, okay, how does this line up or not line up with the Christian perspective, the Christian worldview, you mm-hmm. know? And it's so cool because you start to see the patterns of how Revelation speaks and how it confronts and how it agrees with whatever is in the heart of man, you know. But if you don't have that, if you don't have that next step, what is the Christian perspective? What is the biblical perspective? You're kind of flying blind, you know. Yeah, you're kind of you find yourself in space. Yeah, you're you're gonna eat up some Plato and some uh, some other philosophers and Nietzsche and Camus and all like whatever you're gonna. Whatever they're handing you in class, you're gonna read it, you're gonna consume it, but you, you're not actually, you're not actually learning how to actually think about these things from God's perspective, and so all of your knowledge becomes faulty. Mm-hmm. So, and this is immensely practical about anything. It's like 
well, am I wise in my parenting? Am I wise in my, in my finances? Am I wise in my relationships and friendships? The core question in all these areas of life is, well, I, I know these areas to the degree to which the biblical message and biblical truth has seeped into those areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And there I know if I know or I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all Christians at all times in all places should be majoring in Scripture. That's uh, really good. It's not just about content. It's not just about learning more about Jesus so you can sing his songs. It's about learning more about Jesus so you can live in his world. It sort of unlocks your ability to access the world. It's like you're in this world, but you're, you don't, it's like you're behind a glass. Uh, if you don't have a biblical message infusing your thinking, you don't have true access to God's world. And God's word b- breaks the barrier and helps you live in this world as it truly is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually experience reality as it was written. Yeah. That's great. What yeah. are some of your recommends? I know you mentioned one of them already. Yeah, so Joe Rigney, go get that book, please. Um, Jim Hamilton, Little Book. We like little books. Jim Hamilton, it's called What is Biblical Theology? Such a cool little book. He's a good writer. He's a theologian. I've read this book probably like three times, and I keep going back and rereading parts of it. It's it's one of those books that helps you get that framework. Nice, um, yeah. Some people would say little book is subjective. <laughs> so whatever that means in Andre terminology, it's a little book. Uh, it is, it. though. It's like 120 pages. It's, okay. It's not, it's not very too big. big. Uh, my other recommend is Josh Gerald's Christmas album. Nice. We can always use some new Christmas music. Well, I'm not as full of recommendations as you are, but uh, one that I would definitely commend is uh, This Cultural Moment. Yes. I feel like people are always asking me for new recommendations on podcasts, mm-hmm. especially when I'm going on a road trip or something. This is an amazing, amazing podcast. And, and it goes a little bit deeper in, in terms of the what we were talking about today. Uh, their latest podcast, season three already, season three, episode one, two, three, kind of going more of the general, you know, looking over at our culture or our society in general and applying these same truths into there. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely recommend go and listen to that. Sweet. Great podcast. Yeah, I got to get caught up on that. Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in, for listening to us. Uh, please let us know what you think. Send questions, comments, thoughts, concerns to well-sad.org. There's a link there for contact. Check us out on Instagram, um, Facebook, wherever you do your thing these days. If you do your thing there yeah. these days. <laughs> if this episode has been helpful to you in any way, uh, please share it with a friend. Leave us a quick review on iTunes. It helps us uh, spread the word. Biggest way that you can support us and keep this conversation going. Yeah, we really mean that. We're, we're, we want to yep. grow. We want to improve. We want to expand. Send it to a friend. If you've benefited from it, benefit somebody else yeah and send us your comments concerns questions suggestions we'd really appreciate that and love to interact with you guys awesome yeah thanks for you guys next week